Hi, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Build It Higher with Robert Hartley. This is a series that I've been wanting to start for a very long time, and I finally had the spare time to jump in and get started. I want to tell everybody how I plan to structure this show and what to expect when listening to an episode. For those of you that don't know, this is a podcast on the design, use, practicality, and elegance of skyscrapers and other large structures. I already had someone ask me if this was a podcast on social structures. It's not. I suggest you look elsewhere if you'd like to learn more about that. In each episode, it's my plan to focus on a single building, mostly skyscrapers, though I may delve into some other types of structures that interest me. In these first few episodes, I'll be focusing on the skyscrapers in New York City. New York skyscrapers and other large structures sparked my passion for structural engineering, which is what I'm studying in college. I believe that everybody should know a little bit about everything and skyscrapers should not be excluded. The information I plan on conveying in this podcast is meant to introduce interest in anybody wanting to know more about skyscrapers and structures in general. I hope to write this in a way where anybody can jump in and understand what I'm saying, though if I bring up one concept in one episode, I may not explain it again in a future episode. Now, I thought it would be fitting to start the first episode with one of my favorite skyscrapers in New York City. Not everybody knows it by name, and it may not be instantly recognizable to everybody unless you walk by it every day. It's located on the corner of 42nd Street and 6th Avenue, situated right across the street from Bryant Park. Its glass and steel facade stretching over a thousand feet into the sky is inviting and intimidating at the same time making it a welcome addition to the Manhattan skyline. This structure, known to most of you as the Bank of America Tower, is a marvel of architecture and engineering and is still unmatched in many aspects of its design and functionality today. According to an article published in the New York Times in November of 2003, the tower was originally proposed as a 51-story, billion-dollar construction endeavor to be used by Bank of America to house two of its four largest divisions at the time. Bank of America and developer Douglas Durst partnered up to gain support to get the tower up. Douglas Durst, who owns majority of the property on the block, gained approval fairly quickly to start construction after a meeting with the Real Estate Board, city and state officials, theater groups, the construction industry, and an environmental group after condemning the property that was to be the future site of the skyscraper. There was very little opposition against the construction of the building. Bank of America was to be one of the first large financial firms to be situated in Midtown Manhattan rather than the more traditional downtown location where other large banks are located. On August 24, 2004, construction of the tower broke ground. At this point, the tower became 55 stories in height, offering more than 2.1 million square feet of usable space, where the top floor was located at 769 feet up. This was four more floors than the planned 51. The general contractor for construction was Tishman. They're a general contractor known for building many of New York's identifiable structures such as Madison Square Garden, and they were responsible for building One World Trade Center a few years later. The five years it took to build the tower went smoothly, but that's not to say that it went without incident. In June of 2007, a container fell from a crane injuring eight people on the sidewalk below. A similar incident happened in September of 2008. Nobody was injured this time. Construction was temporarily stopped to clean up and assess the situation and was resumed shortly thereafter. In August of 2008, a 1,500-pound pane of glass fell from the 50th floor while exterior construction was being finished up. 
Two people walked away with minor injuries and a stop work issue was ordered to temporarily halt the work. In 2009, the tower was completed and was ready to be occupied by potential tenants. The actual cost of the tower has never been disclosed, but it's rumored that the project went over budget. If you've never seen the Bank of America Tower, let me describe it to you. It's a very modern looking building and from the ground, sitting on its corner property, it looks very square going up. But about halfway up, the glass starts to slope inward at a sharp angle, creating large triangular shards that create an unparalleled and unique facade on the top that can be picked out fairly easily from the Manhattan skyline. On its roof, it has a spire that stretches an additional 225 feet above its height. It's equipped with multicolored lights, and at night the colors slowly change over time. It's nice to see if you're watching it from across the Hudson River from, say, Hoboken or Weehawken. The main architect for the project was a firm called Cook Fox. Founded in 2003, they're a firm really known for working on projects that reuse an existing structure, and they've won many environmental awards for pushing environmentally friendly designs. Severett Associates served as a structural engineer on the project. Having experience with many other skyscrapers, they were a good fit to undertake a project like this. Some other notable structures they helped design was the St. Louis Gateway Arch, Madison Square Garden, and the Thompson Routers Building, located in Times Square. In August of 2010, the Bank of America Tower was awarded and certified the first LEED Platinum skyscraper in the world. For those of you that are unfamiliar with what LEED is, LEED stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. It's a very prestigious certification to get due to their strict environmental standards that they put into place. Even after seven years, the environmental standards that the tower uses are still top-notch. Some of the features it puts into place is using a special floor-to-ceiling windows which is insulated to contain heat and maximize natural light. The tower also captures rainwater, filters it, and uses it for their sewage systems and to cool or heat the building. The building actively filters air inside and filters the air that it's spewing back out onto the city streets. All of the urinals in the male bathrooms are waterless and it's estimated that that alone saves over 8 million gallons of water annually. A 4.6 megawatt generator powers the building, which is considered to be extremely energy efficient, especially with the high daily occupancy of the building. It's also a little known fact that there were two beehives installed on the roof in 2013. With the declining population, it's a nice touch that they thought of everything they could. In essence, the Bank of America Tower is the poster child for how other modern and future structures should model their environmental policies. In the structural engineering and architecture industry, it's a well-known and hotly debated topic that people argue about what the height of the building actually is. If you look at the official height of the tower, it's listed at 1,200 feet. A formal ruling by the Council on Tall Buildings and Urban Habitat has been released confirming this. I'm going to disagree with this number as well as the heights of skyscrapers with spires on them. This is known as the architectural height. I've always considered a spire as an additional structure and to me it's almost cheating if you throw on a tall spire just to go up a rank on a list of tallest buildings. If you asked me, I would say the true height of the Bank of America Tower is 945 feet high at the top of the roof. As someone who's studying structural engineering, I feel that you can always design a taller spire to put on top, but it would be harder and prohibitively more expensive to add more floors. If you don't agree with me, fine. Right now, if you were to go on a trip to New York City with the intent of just seeing the tower, I wouldn't recommend it. The building has no public observation deck open to the public, and I'm sure that it has some very nice views from up top that the banker types are hogging for themselves. It's not even the tallest building in the city. As a matter of fact, it's the fourth tallest tower in the city. 
right behind One World Trade Center, 432 Park, and the Empire State Building. Though on the ground floor there is an open area called the Urban Garden Room that's open to the public. There are hedges and bushes providing green scenery behind glass looking out onto the street and it's a nice place for people to hang out or to take a break from the busy city. The glass encased gardens is located right next to a 42nd Street subway entrance. Another little known fact about the Bank of America Tower is that it contains a 50,000 square foot, 1,000 seat theater under the structure. Known as the Stephen Soundheim Theater, it was located there before the construction of the tower and in addition to keeping it, it was renovated for a modern look and some of the original facade from 1918 exists as well. I hope after recording this episode that everybody appreciates the Bank of America Tower a little bit more. It's a really neat building that not many people know about. If anybody wants to learn more about it, I'll provide links and sources with the podcast so you too can learn more about it. Well, that's about all I have for today. Stay tuned for the next episode, which will be on a skyscraper in New York City. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please don't hesitate to contact me at buildithiresshow at gmail.com. Thank you. this far i really appreciate you for listening to this podcast this is the first podcast i've ever done so bear with me if the quality is not that great if i don't speak too well or if there's any other minor annoyances and if you do have any tips for me please email me with my school schedule i really plan on only releasing an episode every two weeks to a month and i too plan on making these episodes a lot beefier as well i was really expecting this episode to be 15 or 20 minutes and i thought i wrote a pretty good script But it looks like for the next episode, I'll have to do a lot more research.